Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Ledyard and Trevor Sycamore with you guys from thedraftnetwork.com. And it's been a good week, Trevor. We have given our expertise, and I say that word with air quotes because I'm not really sure we have any, but we've given our thoughts anyway on the quarterbacks in this class. Well, a couple of them anyway, six of them. We've went through Brian Lewerke, Drew Locke, Justin Herbert, Jarrett Stidham, Will Greer, Ryan Finley. I gave our thoughts on all six of those guys who are who I think most people are grouping in the top tier of quarterbacks right now. Really not a consensus in any way, shape, or form as to who the top guy is in that group. So to join us on the show today to give us some clarity into a crazy quarterback class. I know you guys love him when he comes on the show. We always bring him on to talk quarterbacks. Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, host of Locked On Patriots, does work for about every place on the internet and does phenomenal work for all of them. Mark, we really appreciate you coming on the show, man. John, Trev, thanks guys for having me on. And at the outset, congratulations to you guys on the launch of the Draft Network this week. Thank the you. site looks absolutely fantastic, which Appreciate I believe it. Trevor had a big hand in. I assume mm-hmm. Trevor yes. had a big hand in yes, because yes. of how great Aesthetic, it looks. But yes. <laughs> hats off to you guys, man. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. Excited to see it grow. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mark. Really Thank you very much, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Trevor, uh, obviously, we had to kind of get him to figure out aesthetic stuff because he cl- he's not into aesthetic, you know, now. Oh, my gosh. Can- oh, what? <laughs> I'm going to rage quit the podcast. I'm right going to rage now. quit on Trevor's behalf. <laughs> I'm going to be no guest and no co host here in a second. But no, we thank you. It's been a lot of fun so far. We're excited to see where it goes for sure. We, we need this quarterback class to take off. It's always good for the draft when that happens. Uh, we saw that last year. Um, we need some, some guys to emerge. You and I have talked, Mark, about the quarterback class. Right now it's getting really kind of a bad name uh, as a group uh, so far, and not a lot of people really excited about it. What's your thoughts, though? I seem like you had a little more hope when we talked. Yeah, and part of that is, look, I always have hope when it comes to quarterbacks right. because that's kind of the job. That's kind of my brand. I mean, if these quarterbacks all turn out to be awful, nobody's going to want to talk to me come, you know, <laughs> February and March, and then I'll just be by myself with nothing to do, and that's no fun. So, no, I am, though. I am hopeful that this group, that a couple of these guys are going to develop. I think what's fascinating about this class is a couple of things. One, like you guys have alluded to, there's, like, no clear-cut, like, even top three. I mean, you could talk to a bunch of different people and you might get three different names if you're asked for a top three, some, you know, top five, top six, even. There's no like clear cut number one. Like a couple of years, it's been, yeah, you know, like this guy or that guy are probably QB1. Like last year was, maybe it was Donald, maybe it was Rosen, and it ended up being Baker Mayfield. But still, you know, things can change over time. Let me I ask you think, this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Think, go ahead. Yeah. I just, I also think that it's a very, very deep group. Like mm-hmm. there are like guys that are your like day three types looking at him right now or, you know, fringe draftable types looking around him right now, like say an Easton stick, you know, from North Dakota State that might end up playing themselves into like a day two because of how they fare this season. And so I think there are some FCS types some like, you know, other FBS types that, you know, people haven't been talking about yet that could play themselves into, say, day three, day two type contention. And that's always fun to see, too. So I think it is a pretty deep group, despite mm-hmm. A clear lack of like, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else type talent at the top. So let me ask you this, not who necessarily your top guys are before we get to these guys specifically. Who do you think, if you had to guess right now, the NFL NFL will end up valuing the most by draft season? Maybe one or two guys, maybe three guys stand out to you as guys that when you watch them, you're like, you know, based on what the NFL looks for, these are kind of the things. Who are the names that stand out to you in that way and, and why? You know, I think, you know, when we look at kind of how the NFL tends to value quarterbacks, now that might be changing, which we can Mm -hmm. get to. But I think Ryan Finley, 
Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, Drew Locke from Missouri, Justin A. Bear, the kid from Oregon. Jared Stidham has a chance to sort of play himself into that mix. And, John, you and I have talked about him. If they put more on his plate, that could happen. Mm-hmm. Those are guys that I think the NFL will kind of like. I think Greer, I think the Werke are guys that could get themselves into that mix mm. as we see the NFL start to value more of, say, athleticism and spread-type quarterbacks coming into the league. Now, okay, Mark, I, you brought up a couple of the names there that I definitely wanted to get your opinion on because John and I talked earlier this week, and as we've kind of been going through quarterbacks, we noticed that there's there's things that we wish you know they did a little bit better. Maybe they can get better in their final year. But I wanted to ask you, how often does that happen for quarterbacks? Like, for example, Will Greer and Brian Lewerke, we talked about them earlier this week, having some unorthodox styles to their game, almost a little bit of backyard football in them. And sometimes it's stuff that you like because you know they play out of structure, and, and those are the things that are kind of alluring when things aren't always picture perfect. They can still make plays happen. But then there are other times where it just seems like, Man, it just turns into that unorthodox thing. It almost turns into a negative at times. When you see guys like that, especially in today's age of college football where, you know, we have heard the phrase before, head coaches in college aren't there to make NFL prospects. They're there to win football games. And a lot of the times it's the easier, sometimes less technical stuff that ends up winning in college football. You see some out-of-the-ordinary things, out-of-the-ordinary styles, I'll say, with guys like Drew Locke or Lewerke or Greer. How often do you see those NFL-type changes from these guys? Do you expect it, or what's kind of the thought process there? I mean, I think we're more hoping for it than expecting it, and because it gets to your point, Trevor, which is a fantastic one, which is, you know, these guys aren't there to, like, get uh, Will Greer or the Werke ready to throw at the combine so he looks good in shorts and a T-shirt. I mean, the ultimate example of that, obviously, is Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. I mean, if Urban Meyer wanted to make Tim Tebow ready for the combine, he hmm. was going to fix his throw in motion, but he didn't do that. Greer is going to be a fantastic sort of test case for this because there's a lot of stuff that he does that I love. But then some of the negatives, I mean, his footwork is a mess. Sometimes he's like hmm. not even using a drop back. You yeah. know, his lower body mechanics are a mess. He's running around like he's, like you said, in the backyard. Whenever he breaks the pocket, the ball is by his ankles. I mean, he's just <laughs> throwing it everywhere. He doesn't care about ball security or tucking it away. You know there are some coaches that are going to see that and say, no, look, I can't coach that. Like, that's just not going to get it done in the NFL. And there might be some coaches that are going to say, look, I don't care about that stuff. You know, look at what he does, you know, on half of the other throws that he makes. There's throws that Will Graham makes that challenges some, you know, downfield throws over the middle that a guy like Drew Locke doesn't do all the time. And so, you know, it's rare that we see guys sort of get out of these types of bad habits. But if they can... You know, there will be teams that take a chance on him. And even if they don't, there still might be a team that looks at Will Greer and says, I like some of the stuff of what he does. And Greer might get some of that post-Baker Mayfield magic, you know, with Baker going number one overall. People might say, look, forget about Big 12 defenses. This guy can make plays. Mm. that's an interesting thought and i think that you bring up good points when you talk about who the nfl likes who they don't and like you said it, it might be changing a little bit because i don't think we expected it this time last year for baker i mean i know we didn't we didn't expect baker mayfield to go number one overall you know we didn't expect he wasn't we liked him even to mark i remember us talking about him but we didn't think the nfl would ever feel the way about him it probably wasn't up until three days before the draft where we were even sold that it could even be a possibility that he could go number one overall i mean we weren't even talking about it so it's funny to see that, and obviously Baker changed some of the thing, you know, started to play better and changed some of the things about his playing style that did fit the NFL a little bit better. But still, it is kind of being thrown into question. There are some 
you know, certain teams and offensive schemes and things that are kind of becoming more conducive for these guys. Having said that, it does seem like, you know, with Josh Allen going in the top 10, and we talk about it a lot, you know, physical tools are still something the NFL really values. Trevor and I have talked about this this week on the pod. We like Drew Locke's arm. We really like Justin Herbert's arm. There's some other interesting arms in this class. If you're just going off pure arm talent and like ability in terms of a ceiling physically, in terms of tools, who are the most intriguing guys in this class? Well, I mean, I think Locke stands out because he's got probably a, you know, great to potentially elite arm. I mean, if that's something that gets you excited about a quarterback, then, you know, keep your eye on Drew Locke, who I think has made some strides. And, Johnny, you and I talked about this a little bit, you know, two years ago when you're watching him say his, you know, 2016 tape. He, it looks like he was basically Bryce Petty at Baylor. Every throw was a go, a smoke <laughs> route, or a hitch. Yep. And you're like, this guy's not going to play in the NFL. Or if he yep. does, like, he's not going to last. Mm-hmm. But then he starts making some throws last year over the middle where he's challenging between the numbers, between the hashes. He's, you know, challenging defenses in different areas of the field and showing a little bit of growth. And you're like, okay, I can see this work. And so I understand the excitement about Locke. You know, I, I think Justin Aber, I'm excited about him. You can definitely see arm talent flashes with him. Tyree Jackson, friends, uh, the University of Buffalo. I mean, our boy Jeff Risen has been talking about him. I'm kind of aboard the you know the hype train for him as well. He might literally be the people that Josh out people the quarterback that people thought Josh Allen was. Huh. You know, he's got this wow. ridiculous size, ridiculous athleticism. You know, tremendous burst as a runner, but can throw the heck out of the football. And he might he seems to have a better sort of understanding of like touch and feel and placement than Josh Allen does despite having much worse mechanics, if that makes sense. Mm. So I think that he's definitely a guy, if you're like, you know, right now, lottery pick type, potential high ceiling, he's somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I mean, I was just going to kind of piggyback off that a little bit. We took a look at, who are the six guys we got? Um, Lorky, Locke, Herbert. Are are we saying Herbert's last name wrong? Is it not Herbert? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. It's the kid at Oregon. Probably I'm wrong. saying it wrong. Based on history. With that is true. Probably. I'm probably saying it probably. wrong. It looks like Herbert. I don't know. Whatever his name is, the Oregon quarterback. Uh, Will Greer, Ryan Finley, and Jared Stedham. Those are the six that we watched. So then you already kind of talked to us about Tyree there. Like, Are there anybody else? You, you said there's almost like a plethora of names that you could think of, and I'm sure you've watched a bunch of dudes, but um, are there any other guys who could – you said – Maybe the class isn't as strong at the top, but it could be like a deeper classes and we're talking a bunch of names. Are there any others that you could just like reference a little bit, get get on people's radars that might be interesting? I know Francois is one for me that we yeah. haven't talked about yet who yeah, I'm I mean, really, really intrigued with. Francois, provided he wins that job, I know there are questions about if he's going to win the job or not. But if he does, look, I mean, you want to talk about a kid who's tough in the pocket. I mean, I remember people were talking about, you know, Mitch Trubisky and how he handled the pocket. Look, I mean, Francois, there's probably nobody tougher. I mean, he also shows, you know, good throws under duress, some velocity, the ability to click and climb in the pocket. So he's somebody that, you know, if he wins the job at Florida State, Daniel Jones at Duke. You know, a guy that moves okay. well in the pocket, good velocity, stands in the pocket versus the blitz, shows good processing speed, even with pressure in his face. You watch his game against Army, you can see, you know, velocity and placement and pressure situations, processing speed on some West Coast concepts seems to be there. Pretty good anticipation on some throws. He's a guy to watch. If you want to get down and to say, Manny Wilkins, he's a kid at Arizona State who not getting a lot of attention right now, but when you look at some quarterbacks and a juxtaposition to think about is between him and Lewerke, who are a lot of people are talking about right now. And I understand why people are on blind Lewerke, but Lewerke seems to rely on his legs a little bit too much. 
And even though Wilkins is an athletic quarterback, he shows that understanding of there are times when you can bail the pocket and go out the back door. And there are other times when you got to click and climb. And he does that at an advanced level right now, throws really well on the move, you know, make some bucket-type throws, some drive-type throws over the middle of the field with velocity and placement into narrow windows. So he's a guy to watch. If you want to go down a level, I mentioned Easton Stick. Taryn Christian at South Dakota State. He's a quarterback I've been watching for a while. I really sort of like him. Some inconsistency there to his game, but good pocket awareness, good manipulation, fights in the pocket without dropping his eyes. You know, has the NFL arm, which, you know, you, sometimes you don't see it at the FCS level, but he's definitely got it. A more boring type quarterback, Ryan Neal at Southern Illinois, who's probably like a Connor, you know, Connor Cook or Kirk Cousins light. Um, but he kind of plays in that mold, does some of the small things. Brett Rippon at Boise State, another mm. guy that does a lot of the small things. I, I really like him. And, you know, the one other name I'll mention here just kind of quickly here, Mackenzie Milton. The kid at UCF. Yeah, yeah. The big question with him is going to be, well, twofold. Size, number one, because he's a bit mm-hmm. undersized, but right. the league might not be that worried about it. How is he going to be in the post-Scott Frost era? Is right. he still going to be as successful? And if he is, don't sleep on that kid. Hmm. Wow. A lot of good names there to throw out there. And I, from what I've seen, I really tend to agree with you about the depth of this class. Like, I I was talking to you, and I was like, I watched one game of Kyle Shermer, and I, I didn't think that. I was like, yeah, he's not good. Then you were like, you know, he might get drafted. Like, he could be a late pick. Like, if he if it was right now, I think, like, he might have a chance. So I was like, okay. So I went back. I watched three more games of him. I actually think there's something there with a guy like that. So, like, you're right. Like, this class has some depth that's really going to be intriguing. And it's not like that uh, Mariota um, um, Winston class where, like, it just fell out. I don't think there was another one until, like, the third or fourth round. So, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like that to me. So uh, I'm excited about the class for that reason. However, even though there's no clear-cut number one guy, I think if you were going to pull everybody right now and try and find who was the consensus QB1, it might be Justin Herbert. I did look it up. It's Herbert, so I, I, wasn't, I wasn't wrong this time. But so if Herbert is consensus QB1, what does he need to do to kind of really seize that mantle or be the NFL's QB1? What has to happen for him? What does he do well right now, and what has to happen for him to really put himself head and shoulders above the rest, if you think the potential is there for him to do that? No, I, I do think the potential is there. What's interesting with him is there are a lot of similarities in what he does well right now and what we sort of saw from Sam Darnold. And you see some of the athletic ability, you know, a long TD run against Arizona. You know, he's got sort of that spread quarterback footwork where he mm-hmm. steps in bucket at times, but he can still dial up velocity and make velocity type throws, drop throws in the bucket similar to Sam Darnold. You know, he can improvise. He can make plays on or off structure. He can make some anticipation throws. I mean, you see a throw early, a couple throws early in that game against Oregon State last year, you know, where he was making anticipation throws. Not a lot of quarterbacks do that in the college game. They more see it, throw it types. Um, he can drop and change arm angles, whether it's in response to pressure or just basically because, you know, this is what the play calls for, whether it's a quick throw to the side or something like that. You know, so that those are the things he does really well. What I want to see from him, there are times when he misses throws, when he's got pressure in his face or when he's getting, you know, you know, guys in his face or off the edge, situational awareness. He had a play against Oregon State, a third and three, where he had a guy wide open in the flat for the first down, doesn't take that throw, tries to make something happen, throws an interception. You know, so I want to see him get better in those types of movements, that situational awareness, those types of plays. But yeah, from the stuff that he does well, it is somewhat reminiscent, and it's not just a you know easy Pac-12 type thing, but you know, somewhat reminiscent to what Darnold did well at this point in his career. 
Mark, you're a former, you're a former QB guy yourself. And so I just wanted to uh, ask you, because I know there are a lot of people who are fans of the draft and fans of the game who never play quarterback. And, I, you know, you being the quarterback guru that you are, I just wanted to ask you for the people's sake, what are the things that you look for most when you do look at these prospects? I, I know it, it it certainly varies a little bit um, depending on styles and who guys are and everything like that. Um, but what are, I guess, like a handful of the traits that, that really tend to separate guys when you're talking about making a transition from what would be a good college football player to then a good NFL player. Yeah. I mean, the, the three that I kind of look for at the top are, you know, decision-making process and speed and accuracy. Like those are the things that I think they're kind of like non-negotiables to steal a phrase from our friend Duke Mannyweather. There are things that are non-negotiable at the quarterback position, just like there are things that are non-negotiable for offensive linemen, like finishing, but that's a different discussion with our boy PFF Mike. <laughs> but at the quarterback uh, position, you got to throw the ball where it needs to be thrown. Like, yeah. period, full stop. Like, if you can't hit the targets, if you can't hit the windows, if you can't put the ball where it needs to be based on the coverage, you're not going to be successful. If you can't read and react to defenses quickly enough so the ball is then coming out late or not coming out at all, you're not going to be successful. And if you make bad decisions with the ball, like if you're – like I just got done taking another look at Kyle Lauletta, you know, guy from the last draft, and I came across a play where it was a third and 12 situation. They run a little switch concept with a curl route over the middle and a wheel route, and everybody loves to throw the wheel route, but as much as we think, it's not truly undefeated. You know, he forces the wheel route into triple coverage and he gets picked. The nah, curl get routes, Yeah, the curl yeah route, get off the spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm it's just undefeated. Say it. I'm just say it. <laughs> and the curl routes open over the middle, and oh. you could have had the first down. So, like decision making, accuracy, process speed, like those are the things that I really look for. And then, like you can get into the ancillary stuff, like athletic ability, playing off structure, arm talent, all those kinds of things. And part of that is, you know. Quarterback evaluation does have a subjective element to it. I'm more of a fan of the guys that can hand in the pocket on a third and seven and like Mm -hmm. with pressure around them, stick a throw and, you know, make something happen and move the chains. Whereas, you know, guys like Matt Waldman and others, and maybe you guys too, like the guys that can sort of make plays off structure because you need to be able to do that as well. But, you know, those are the three that I kind of look to. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like what, you know, when you're looking between two different guys, you know, if one's better in those areas than the other, then that's the way I'll lean. Hold oh. on. If it hold on real quick, John. Ahead, if the wheel route might not be open, but if the wheel route itself makes something else open, does that still make it undefeated? That does make it undefeated. I would so agree with that because oh, there, the example, there, all right, there we go. In the example I used, that curl route was wide open because Because of the wheel route. Because everybody went to the wheel route. There okay. All right. That makes me I was, I'm yeah, still I'm, I'm gonna still be honest. To be here. Yeah. Yeah, you're still out. I didn't hear anything you said after you said the wheel route wasn't undefeated. <laughs> Just, John just passed out. Blackout like, anger. Can't talk to this guy anymore. <laughs> just blackout anger. Uh, let me ask you this though, Mark. In line with that same vein of thinking that kind of that Trevor was getting at, who do, who do you or what do you feel like is you know having played quarterback and having scouted these guys obviously so closely, so many quarterbacks over the years, are you finding that there's a a trait or a tendency for college quarterbacks that you would consider maybe a negative in their projection of the NFL at least that is just really difficult to overcome at the next level are you seeing that is there a couple things that you pinpoint when you watch quarterbacks that you're saying i just not a lot of guys overcome this and become successful nfl quarterbacks so there are there things that you identify like that yeah i mean i, I think accuracy would be it mm-hmm. like 
you know, uh, unless there's like a clear mechanical flaw yeah. that is causing a lack of accuracy. And even then, you know, who's to say it actually gets fixed in the NFL? Right. You right. Know, because all these guys have like, you know, throwing coaches and they'll, you know, they'll go to coaches like Tony Rossipati, who was working with Davis Webb, who I got to talk to about Davis Webb recently. And they'll go to these guys in the offseason. But how, how many years have we been talking about Blake Bortles and his mechanics? And right. I mean, it's just when you've thrown so many passes over the years, if you have a mechanical issue, you might not work it out. And so, you know, accuracy is one where like if you can't pinpoint, ac- make pinpoint accurate throws you know in in college you know i'm hard pressed to see you really sort that out in the nfl and you know that might get to scheme too because you know when you look at accuracy from the quarterback position you know there's short there's intermediate and there's deep accuracy Mm -hmm. and if a guy can't hit anything deep down the field but puts the ball where it needs to be in short intermediate areas then if you're right at a west coast offense then sure you can take a shot at him and know that just you know 20 percent of your offense or less might be off the table because he can't throw it deep but Mm. You know, if you can't make throws in college, if you're missing windows, if you're thrown to the wrong shoulder, you know, here, there, or most of the time, it's hard to see that getting sorted out in the NFL. That's that's super interesting to me because I think you're absolutely right. Accuracy is so crucial, but it is tougher to figure out than people think it is. Like, it's not just looking at the box score and seeing, you know, who's yeah. who's hit the 50s, you know, and who, or who's hit the 60s in there and they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more to it. And so I guess as you look at this quarterback class, considering that that may be the biggest concern for a quarterback coming into the NFL if they have issues there who really needs to answer questions about accuracy in your minds maybe it's to all levels of the field or just like one level of the field who do you really see and identifies okay he's got to start answering accuracy concerns if we're going to take him seriously as a you know a first round type of prospect yeah, I mean, I, I think for a lot of guys, it, it's an issue that they're going to need to work on. I mean, I think you look at Clayton Thorson um, from, say, two years ago to last year. I mean, he was very inconsistent, particularly when he was trying to make sort of anticipation throws. That was an area where it was just, you know, it was a roller coaster type experience where if he was trying to get the ball out a little bit early, your guess was as good as mine as where it was going to end up. And so, you know, that's a guy that I think has to work on it. We haven't talked about him, but Nick Fitzgerald, I know that there are people that are kind of excited about Nick Fitzgerald. I think he's oh more Tebow than Mariota right now. I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, I, man, watched Ooh, I watched I mean, him, and I don't even know if he's Tebow. Look, he, he's a tough kid. I mean, you watched that yeah, game against yeah. LSU. They were knocking the heck mm-hmm. out of that kid, mm-hmm. and he kept coming back. But, you know, there's a kid that really sort of struggles with his accuracy, with his ball placement. You know, looking through the rest of the class, flipping through my notes here, I mean, I think, you know, Ryan Finley, as much as I like him, as much as I think he might be the quarterback that people thought Mason Rudolph was, mm-hmm. the accuracy could be spotty, particularly deep down the field. Yeah, and yeah. so if you're looking at a guy like Ryan Finley and thinking, oh, we can bring him in, you know, with a vertical pass and offense – you got to wonder, you got to see that improvement in the deep vertical pass and accuracy. Not even pinpoint stuff. I'm talking just general accuracy, get the ball into a catchable position. Sure. So you didn't name any of the big name guys, or other than Finley, I guess, if you're saying big name guys. So it's like Locke, you didn't mention him. That's It seems like people compare him to Josh Allen. Do you think those comparisons are bad? I don't like those comparisons. What do you, yeah, how do you I feel mean, about those comparisons? I, I think people straight, you know, go to that comparison because of the arm. They see the arm, they see the arm talent, and they think, oh, man, well, he's, you know, Josh Allen, right? You know, because mm-hmm. he's got the ability to sort of make those high-velocity type throws that gets people excited down in Mobile or elsewhere. You know, the thing that I think Locke needs to work on is still getting that feel for using touch. You know, two years ago, everything was a fastball. 
he was like Josh Allen in that sense. But I saw last year he started to use more touch, take a little bit off throws, try to fit the ball in, you know, use it feel a little bit more. And while it wasn't ideal, it wasn't perfect, he showed strides in that direction much more than, say, Josh Allen ever did. Thank you. You know, and the thing with – you know, the thing with Drew Locke that I want to see is those sort of set and reset movements. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times he's thrown from, you know, getting the ball out quick in that offense where he's not really facing pressure. But those times when he has to move and slide and reset himself, that's when the accuracy tends to dip. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm watching for with respect to his accuracy. On those set, reset, and throw moments, is the accuracy going to be improved over last year? Generally, I think he's accurate, but it's on those moments where you see it dip. Mm-hmm. I had one more question. Jared Stidham, late in games, troubled me when they were down. What did they lose? They lost to LSU and they lost to Clemson. I thought at the end of those games when he was trying to lead comebacks, you know, the LSU game, I think of he threw, I think it was a post route. He, uh, he threw it behind his receiver twice and it could, both could have been intercepted. Then he threw one right into Dante Jackson's chest and he seemed very panicky the whole time. Late against Clemson, I'm pretty sure it was Clemson. And No, late against Georgia. I'm sorry, late against Georgia. It was a mess. He was, he was yeah. just a mess. The one they lost. I mean, the actress, he was everywhere. His mechanic, like he was skittish in the pocket. Do you think, do, do you agree, I guess? And do you think that's something that can be overcome? It just felt like whenever Auburn needed Jarrett Stidham to be the guy and the offense wasn't on schedule and the run game wasn't on schedule, that if they needed him, make plays down the field, bring us back, it's on you now. It did not feel like he could be that guy to me. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you think that's something that can change for him? And how much does that concern you about a prospect? I do agree with that assessment. And it does concern me right now. But like you and I talked about with Stidham, they took so much off of his plate. Yeah. You know, that was a very sort of simplified style of offense where he wasn't asked to really sort of carry the load. And then when you get in those situations, you haven't been asked to do it a ton. And now suddenly True. it's on you to make plays. You can see quarterbacks struggle in those moments. That's the main thing I want to see from him. I mean, I'm looking at my notes and my weaknesses, you know, segment on him right now. And that's the, the headline note. I want to see him be asked to do more. And so not just when he's, you know, in those situations, but overall. Like, let's see this kid tasked with more, put more on his plate, ask him to make more throws, carry more of the load. And if he makes the kind of leap that I think he's capable of, you know, he's a guy that could get himself into the mix to say as a first round pick. But if it's more like last year, like you said, John, those, you know, throws against LSU and the game they lost against Georgia late, then I'm going to have serious concerns about him. Right. Mm. Great stuff. That's awesome. I could literally be on this podcast for hours asking you questions about quarterbacks because i just find it really fascinating fun stuff it's why i'm always dming you my quarterback thoughts but uh true. this is true i didn't even get to drop any fake names how about this trick quick trivia question. yes yes who yes. is the starting quarterback at unh that i actually scouted this year unh yeah that trevor knight new hampshire jordan knight wait what's his name trevor knight or jordan knight what yeah, there's another wonderful. there's another trevor knight there's, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, am I tripping, or was that a, there was already a Trevor Knight? There can't, Trevor it can't Knight. be the same Knight? Trevor Knight. Different Trevor Knight. Different. Okay. Tre- but it, but it is Trevor Knight. Yeah. Wow. What about this? San Diego, Anthony Lawrence or Joey Lawrence? Uh, both sound super fake. Joey, Joey Lawrence. Lawrence. It's Anthony Lawrence, and they Dang. are a non-scholarship school in the Pioneer League. The guy's, I think, my size. I'm not quite sure he has an NFL Wait, there's future. A, there's a but league I, called the Pioneer League? Yeah, it's an FCS school. They got blown out by Northern Arizona, who has 
Case Cookus, another quarterback to watch. <laughs> Case Cookus. Dunn at UNI. There are some names for Cookus. Case Cookus. Northern Arizona, NAU. Oh, my goodness. How do you get tape on these people? The secrets of Mark Schofield. I, I spent hours just the black market, the black market, as well as the YouTube market for like I'm watching like Grady like local cable access. Ooh, here's our <laughs> Division Two playoff game here between two schools you'll never hear of again. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Nobody, nobody does their research more than Mark Schofield. Yeah. No May, May is fun, friends, because I watch so many teams I'll never have to watch again. There you Ooh. go. <laughs> At Mark Schofield on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you give him a follow. To Terrific stuff from him, as always. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Congratulations again on the Draft Network. The site is awesome. Fantastic work over there. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Tomorrow we've got, it's Fan Friday, but it's also a super show with Cal Crabs, Joe Marino. So we're excited about that. Uh, we've got some really cool content lined up for that show. So I hope you guys tune in for that one. And uh, then next week we're talking about running backs too. Can this class come even close to replicating the last couple of classes? Don't think so, but still there's some talent that's definitely worth us diving into. So really excited. Don't kill to people's vibe before I'm we not, even get to the podcast, man. I'm, I'm not killing it. I'm just saying I want to prepare them. I got to be honest yeah, with what people. A, you know, negative Ledyard, he's back, folks. Trevor you know, thinks Justin Ledyard. Hill is a top five player. Just throwing that out there right now. <laughs> Until then, till tomorrow, keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.